Our reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It's the story of Jesus' ascension into heaven on this day that we call Ascension Sunday. Hear now this reading of God's Word. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When He said this, as they were watching, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of sight. While he was going, they were gazing up towards heaven, and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I suspect this happens to you as well, but every once in a while a song or a story or a piece of art gets buried in the back of my head only to pop up at interesting times. This week that song was from a musical called Matilda. And the song is called When I Grow Up. Somewhere along the way, I saw this song performed. I suspect maybe it was on, like, the Grammys. And it stuck with me, even though I have not seen Matilda, read the Roald Dahl book, or know more than just kind of an outline of the story. But none of that really matters, because you can picture a group of five- and six-year-old children singing about when they grow up. This is what they sing. When I grow up, I will be tall enough to reach the branches that I need to reach to climb the trees. You get to climb when you're grown up. When I grow up, I'll be smart enough to answer all the questions that you need to know the answers to before you're grown up. Don't we wish? Of course, when I grow up, I'll eat sweets every day. I'll go to bed late every night. I'll wake up when the sun comes up and I'll watch cartoons till my eyes go square. And I won't care because I'll be all grown up. These 
are appropriate dreams for a five and a six-year-old. These are simple, limitless hopes that are birthed in joy and possibility about who they will be. It won't be till much later that they decide that the economic realities of becoming a firefighter or a doctor or a teacher or an astronaut are more important than, well, than they are when you're five or six. When you're young, you imagine the possibilities endlessly, limitlessly, which is how it should be. But as we've all grown up, we know that things have come into particular focus. For one reason or another, we chose not to be a doctor. Maybe like you or like me, you didn't like dissecting things. So you didn't get past those biology classes. Maybe you wanted to be an architect, but the decided that the math was too much to get through the engineering degree. Or maybe you wanted to be a pilot, but, but learned you couldn't because your eyesight wasn't what it should have been. So you moved on to a different vocation with different interests. The endless possibilities of your childhood became more narrowed. But hopefully, as you have grown, you've been able to use your strengths and your talents and your gifts in ways that fulfill you and bless others through your work. Maybe creativity led you to public speaking or advertising instead of being an artist. Maybe your people skills led you to sales rather than teaching. Maybe it's good that you didn't know that when you were young and maybe you're happy now with where you have come. But along the way, there were turns that were taken that helped define who you would be. This happens in life, it happens in work, it happens in family, it happens in projects, it happens when we face problems of all kinds. We move from a wide range of possibilities to narrow in on the things that will happen that are most important. And this is very much what happens in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, after a life and a ministry that brought alongside him some disciples, begins to create a focus of what his disciples would be as he ascends into heaven. That's what's happening in chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke is what happened in that previous book, that was mentioned there in verse 1. And as we turn to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the birth of the church is what happens next. Jesus ascends into heaven and departs the earth, and what will come is the Holy Spirit next week in the birth of the church. But as he's going, he defines what the church will be, and I think what Christians will be. When he says there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Close by in Jerusalem, a little further out in Judea and Samaria, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. 
No matter what else you think you're called to be, no matter what else you really want to be, when it comes to living out and embodying your Christian faith, you are defined as Jesus' witness. You are one of his witnesses. And you, I hope, are a witness to Jesus' life, his ministry, his love, his grace, and his power. We are his witnesses. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that is laid upon us at Pentecost, we are to share the good news of Jesus' love to this world. You will be my witnesses here and there and everywhere. As Jesus ascends into heaven, the last thing he says to his disciples, he's got one last word, and it is this. No matter what you think you might be, no matter what Christianity is, what it is supposed to be, the fulfillment of what it is, is to be his witnesses. So how are you doing with that? How's it, how's it going, being his witness? Is the identity you thought you were going to be when you decided to follow Jesus as a child and walk down an aisle like this one? Are you, are you witnessing to that regularly? Or maybe there's not enough time to think about that. Maybe you're too busy, you're working on other things. Maybe, maybe being Jesus' witness is a quaint thing that you thought you were called to do, but you're no longer feeling it. Now, I can understand this a little bit. Honestly, I do. Because that word witness, if you're of a certain age, witness in the church it has a certain baggage to it, actually. I think we can come clean about this. There was a time in my life when I was younger that to be a witness, well, actually it was like a verb. It was something that you did. The way to fulfill God's call to be His witness was to cold call or canvas neighborhoods and parks and pass out tracts like this was your life or Sin City or one of my favorite ones, Bad Bob. To talk about how bad things were, but how good things, things could be in a very narrow and particular way. And I know for some that that, that, that that is very much the way that God calls them to be witnesses. But as I have aged and grown up and I hope matured in my faith, I have come to see that being Being Jesus' witness has a whole lot less to do with how many doors I knock on to try to get people saved with the track and more to do with how I am embodying and sharing that deep love of God through who I am, through how I live, and through how others respond to how it is that I'm living. And so as it turns out, the internet was helpful this week with that. You can type witness in the Google machine, and it gives you definitions. Four, actually. Two, for witness as a noun, and two, for witness as a verb. 
A witness is a person who sees an event, typically a crime or an accident, take place. Used in a sentence, police are appealing for witnesses to the accident. Synonyms include being an observer, an onlooker, an eyewitness, a spectator, a viewer, or a watcher. Second definition of witness, according to it being a noun, evidence or proof. The memorial service was witness to the wide circle of his interest. I think we got something there. Using witness as a verb, though, means to see. To witness, to see an event, typically a crime or an accident, to see it take place. A bartender who witnessed the murder. Interesting choice for dictionary.com, but we'll, we'll go with it. Synonyms include see, observe, watch, notice, spot, actively. The second definition of the verb, though, is this. To give or serve as evidence of, to testify to, his writings witness to an inner toughness, it says. So let's take two of those things. One, the first definition of witness as a noun. We see what God did, what God does, and God, what God promises to do. We are witnesses of God's work in the world. If I talk to each one of you... When I talk to each one of you, I think we've got that part down. We understand what it means to see God's love and God's presence and God's power and work in the world. I suspect that's why we're here, isn't it? We have seen it, so we come to connect to it again. Or we long to see it again, so we come to connect with it here. We understand that hidden beneath all of the things that we see on the surface of life, we understand that God is doing something in the world and we see meaning in it. So we gather as the church. It's the second part of witness that we probably could work on, which is the second part of that definition from witness as a verb. To serve as evidence, to testify to. To be a witness of Jesus to be his witnesses doesn't mean that we just see what happened and hold it all in. But it's that because of what we experienced, we express it. We live it out. We provide credible evidence to the work that God is doing in the world. If God is love, then we are his witnesses by providing a deep expression of that love, a deeper expression of that love than others see elsewhere. If God cares for the little children, all the children of the world, then we are witnesses and we live in such a way as to care for those children, all of them, not just the ones that are our own or that are easy to care for. If God implores us to respond to his mission and message, then we are his witnesses by responding and inviting others to join in that message to make the world a better, more whole, more fulfilled place. This way of being witnesses is probably quite disconnected from the action of passing out a tract as witnessing 
Because we actually witness best when our love for God and our understanding of what God really does is lived out as a part of, part of who we are. Witnessing to who God is and what God has done certainly entails expressing our experiences of God's love, but not just in a way that imparts propositions or, or facts. Rather, I feel like our best witness comes when our experience of God is exuded through who we truly are. And that comes by being so deeply connected to what it is that God is doing in our lives. So witnessing is not an activity to put on your to-do list. It's It's an outgrowth of who you will be. So how are we doing with witnessing? I don't know. Is your life going in such a way that those around you would be able to tell that you have a connection with God that truly matters to you? If someone in your life were asked about if your spiritual life mattered to you, what might they say? Would they say that church is something that you do, like other things that you do? Or would they say that you are so deeply connected, you reflect a deep connection and knowledge of who God is, that clearly your spiritual life matters? Jesus sets out for us that we will be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that is a responsibility we must take seriously. Are we His witnesses in speech and action? Or do we see the amazing things that God does and hold them and keep them to ourselves? If we are witnesses to what God is doing among us, then I think it should be easy for us to be clear to ourselves and to others, how it is we express that in the world. Otherwise, why would the world ever care? I began thinking about that song from Matilda, thinking about the dreams we have for ourselves. I thought also a lot this week about what it means to be a parent and to think about the dreams we have for our children. As a church, we just laid claim to seven children. In years past, we have laid claim to countless others, promising them that we will help raise them in the faith as Christian people who who can choose to be connected and participate in the life of this church. In a way, we are saying to these children, because of God's love for us, you too will be Witnesses of what God does for you. But, but beyond that, we have plans for our kids. We want them to be kind and generous and loving and willing and helpful to others. We want them to be good people. We may tease them and tell them they can't be a Tar Heel or a Blue Devil or a member of a wolf pack or a demon deacon, but, but really that's just surface stuff. We really, we really want them to be children who are loved by God. 
And as Jesus ascends today, on Ascension Sunday, what we see is at the core of who Jesus told us we would be, is that we are to be witnesses of His work. And then through our lives, witness to that love that God has for us. We will be His witnesses. It's not just something we do. It's not a proposition we act upon, a task we can take on, or a duty that can be fulfilled with a checkbox on a to-do list. Rather, to be His witnesses is to get at the core of who we are called to be. We are called to be witnesses of God's love and strength and kindness and grace. We are called to be ones who share this news and spread this love to the ends of the earth. And if we're not doing that, we are not fully living into who we've been created to be. Eternally speaking, we can still grow up and end up in that everlasting life with God. That is our goal and our desire. But as we grow up, I pray that we grow in the knowledge of what it means to be His witnesses. I pray today that we will arrange our lives in such a way that we are the ones that share His love and His grace in powerful ways in Oxford, in the surrounding areas, and to the ends of the earth. Because that is what God has called us to be. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we, with fear and trembling, accept the call to be your witnesses. We know it may not be easy, but Lord, what we do also very much know is that it will be good and it will bring joy to ourselves and to others, that it is the way to live a whole, fulfilled, meaningful life as your child. And so, Lord, today, grant us wisdom to discern how it is you are leading us to be your witnesses. And grant us courage to step forward as your witnesses, sharing your love with all those who are around us, and especially those who deeply need it. Lord, we will be your witnesses with your help. Hear our prayers for help today. And it is in your name we pray today. Amen.